Cool. Okay, so we should probably do this show before yeah, it gets too sounds late. Sounds like a good idea. Oh, okay. All right. <coughs> Hold on. Okay. <coughs> so I think I'm going to do like a one, two, three sort of thing and start, or a three, two, one, or something to that effect. Which would you guys prefer? One, two, three, or three, two, one? Yeah, one, two, three. Two, yeah. three, one? One, three, three two. One, two. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Just kind of pause to give Joe time to put the music in. Sure. Like how long of a pause? Oh, just a couple of seconds. Just as long as he's got a blank blank spot, he can fit it in. Yeah. Like an awkward can, pause. Like a breath. Just like a like a long breath. A long breath. Yeah. Three, two, one. Should I breathe go, go, go. heavily? <sighs> this is a tiny shutter with their host, Darth Vader. <laughs> Okie dokie. You guys ready? Luke, I am your camera. Ready to go. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. One, two, three. This is episode 288 on February 15th, 2019. Set your photo apps down, iPhone photographers. It's time for Tiny Shutter Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tiny Shutter Podcast, where we talk about iPhone photography and anything else that might jump into our tiny little heads i am matt hoffman i'm dave podner and i'm greg mcmillan i'm just kidding about the tiny little heads part i was trying to think of something snappy there and nothing was coming to me because you know tiny brain <laughs> in no, any case you know, uh, <laughs> tiny, tiny shutter yeah that's true everything's tiny here or almost everything Anyway, uh, let's move on from that terrible joke. Uh, (laughs) uh, um, How's everything going, guys? I know I, for one, am happy for this week to be over. Um, So, uh, Greg, how you doing, dude? I'm doing well. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of glad this week's over, too. Um, Of course, I worked my four days, 12-hour days, Monday to Thursday, and that's always a... That always makes for a really long week, and we had some nasty weather to throw in with it. And uh, so, I mean, it's no fun having to dig at the end of the driveway after a 12-hour day when the snowplow goes by and kind of fills it in a bit. So, yeah, it's nice to nice to have it over and have some time to, you know, do that kind of thing at my leisure and not have to worry about digging out and everything else. So, but, um, so you don't no, have a it's, snowblower? Oh, I do, but sometimes if the plow just goes by and just puts a little bit at the end of the driveway, it's just as easy to shovel it. And I mean, if it's if it's heavy enough and deep enough, then yeah, I'll get the snowblower out and I borrow a snow shovel from Joe, but he ain't got one yet. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, not, so, um, just so you know, I, I, it's not that I expect that everyone should own a snowblower because that's just absurd. But living where you where you live. Um, you know, and and the just the fact that you would get more snow than a lot of people, it just seems yeah. prudent to own a snowblower where you are. Well, you know what they say: you can fix a snowblower, but you can't fix your back. Yes, yes, so, yes. I mean, I'll I'll shovel when I can, just just to get some exercise doing it. But 
Um, if, if the snow is heavy or if there's a lot of it, yeah, that, that snowblower is coming out. Yeah, I bought a snowblower about, oh, I don't know, maybe six, six, eh, no, five or six years ago, right before we left New Hampshire. And um, it's definitely one of the best purchases I ever made. Yep. So, <laughs> all right on. Well, uh, Dave, what you been up to, dude? Uh, not an awful lot this week. Um, I, I, apparently, I'm the odd person out without any kind of snowblower. Um, figure if it's that bad, I'm not going outside. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's um, a pretty good concept. Yeah. Uh, I, now, one thing coming up this week is at least the plan for us is to hit um, a local museum here, the Heinz History Museum. And contrary to what it sounds like, it isn't just about ketchup. They do have ketchup there. They have a big display about ketchup, but uh, it's part of the Smithsonian uh, group, or it's affiliated with the Smithsonian. And there, this is the last weekend for the um, moon mission display. So they actually have things like gloves that Baldaldrin wore on the moon, the actual Columbia capsule that orbited the moon and returned to the Earth um, on display and a mock-up where you can actually try to fit into the um, the capsule itself and a whole bunch of other stuff that's about the moon mission. So that is the plan to go there and, of course, take tons of photos about that. That sounds pretty awesome. Is that uh, is that in Pittsburgh? Yeah, that is in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they Very say cool. that it's only traveling to like four museums around the country. So it's one of those things that just doesn't happen that often. It's like, okay, you get a chance to go here, you have to you have to take advantage of it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty sweet. Um, I know I know. Typically, like this coming weekend. Uh, we would travel to Pittsburgh because it's President's or uh, is that what's coming up? President's yep. Day. Yep. Um, and with my son being off school, we try to take like a little trip, and usually we go to Pittsburgh and kind of hit up a few of the museums and stuff like that. But uh, this year it kind of snuck up on us. I think we were planning to go to Cincinnati, and and um, but now we're not planning to do that. So I don't know. I don't think anything's going to happen too exciting this weekend for us. Mm. In any case, um, yeah, my week was just full of craziness. Um, did manage to do a little bit of photography-oriented things. Um, I don't know. I just I'm starting to feel a little overwhelmed with all the photography stuff, though. I spent um, most of this evening, actually a good portion of the day, trying to get some photos ready for a local photo contest. Um, it, it actually kind of just popped in my head last night that, like last year, I entered this photo contest and I was like, oh man, it was like around this time. So I like looked it up online and saw that the deadline for entry is this coming Monday at noon. And I was like, oh, I should probably uh, do something about that. So I went to the local 
camera store this afternoon and um, sat there for what was probably a really annoyingly long time for them trying to figure out which photos I wanted to get printed. And um, you're only allowed to enter five photos into this contest or whatever. So I, um, I basically picked out five photos um, they're going to be entered in like different categories or whatever, like seasons and landscapes and um, wildlife and something else. I forget what a black and white and everything. So in any case, got the photos made. Um, luckily, the uh, camera store wasn't very busy making prints, so they were able to get them done within a couple hours, which is pretty cool. And then I ran out to a, a craft store and got some uh mat board because the the photos have to be matted and uh got that all done this evening and i'll get them dropped off on sunday when this nature center is open that the contest is at and i will be good to go so that's that's uh going on and um so i i mentioned that i i got five prints made and four of them were shot with the iPhone. So I'm, I'm entering four photos into the contest that were shot with the iPhone. And the other, the other one was shot with a, a actually a point and shoot camera, like one of those waterproof shock proof cameras. So none of them were even taken with like my good camera, which is kind of funny to me, but, um, hopefully That's a bit of a statement. How's that? Well, it's just, you know, Okay, I'm I'm the mobile proponent proponent, you know, in you know, in the kind of group of friends that I have, and and it just that just further t- testifies that even though it's a phone, the it, the camera in it is that good that sometimes you just don't need that big camera to take a photo worthy of even a competition. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that for me, it's part of the reason, um, that I'm doing this is kind of to put that out there to people that like, Hey, you know, a, a camera is a camera. It's, it's really more about the photographer than the gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, last year I did really well in this in this competition, I don't, I think I entered like four pictures and three of them got ribbons and one got like a people's choice award. And, uh, and the the one that did get the people's choice award also won first place in its category. And it was shot with the iPhone and it was shot with the iPhone. Um, Oh, what did I have? Six S plus, I guess at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I don't know, I guess for me, it's just kind of, not that I have anything to prove or anything and I still like shooting with my other cameras and I'm not, you know, like fanatical about shooting with the iPhone, but I, I like to just kind of, I don't know, put some iPhone pictures up against people's, you know, D eight hundreds and, and that kind of thing and just see how they do. And yeah, it's kind of, I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood when I make a statement like I made, because I, I love all photography. I love photography that comes from any camera. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I just always felt that the mobile side was the underdogs. And I usually cheer for the underdogs, except for when it comes to the oh, Super yeah. Bowl. 
<laughs> uh, no, I, I I get it. It's um yeah, it's uh you know, and it's also just you know your personal choice too. You know, if you just want to shoot with your iPhone, whatever, it's photography and that's cool. And yeah, you know, let's go out and shoot. I don't I don't care. And if you just want to shoot with a DSLR because that's what you like, um, do that. But don't be snobby about it either. Don't you know look down on people that just shoot with their iPhone or just shoot with a whatever, whatever camera. It doesn't matter. We're all doing photography. Yeah. I think that's kind of going away anyway. I think it's being more and more accepted. So it's all good. Yeah, for sure. So that's fun. Um, and then the and good, I, good luck in that com- contest, by the yeah. way, if, if you got uh, what you got last year, I think you'll probably fare fairly well this year too. Well, we'll see. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't feel as confident with the images this year um, for a couple reasons. One, I kind of picked them in a rush, so I don't know if I picked the best ones um, or not. I mean, a couple of them I really like, and I, I actually feel like this is really getting kind of ahead of myself here, but I feel like maybe they'll place in their categories um, but I'm not as confident as I would like to be, I guess, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And part of it too, is I feel like I haven't been out shooting as much like this past year or so as I would have liked to have been, but, um, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. So I, I won't be able to report on this on the next episode. Well, it depends when we record the, um, the opening of the show is next Friday evening and they will actually have the photos awarded by then. So I'll know in a week, um, if, if I got anything, so we'll see, but, um, I'm going a little long here. I apologize, but, um, this weekend I also need to work on, uh, getting some photos submitted to, um, backpacker magazine um i'm on their like submission request list or whatever so i get their um little google doc they send out with all their photo needs and they have um actually a handful of different uh photo like locations that they need photos of that i actually have pictures that i think would fit um in their publication so i just have to go and get those ready and submit those and Hopefully they pick one or two of them for the magazine. That would be pretty good. It'd be nice to be be published again. Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, So I'll be working on that. And then um, I did manage to get out. What day was it? Yesterday, actually. I drove by this abandoned house that I've driven by a million times but never really paid any attention to it until yesterday for some reason. And I drove like probably like a mile past it thinking about how I really should stop there sometime and shoot. And I was like, you know what? Why isn't right now that sometime? So I turned around, I went back to this house. I didn't go in it or anything like that. I, I, this place was like really dilapidated and it, it was, some of it was boarded up, so and it had no trespassing signs in the whole nine yards, and it was like right on this busy road, so it wasn't like I could be sneaky or anything. Um, 
but I, I, I just kind of pulled in the drive, if you want to call it that, the driveway, which was just dirt and mud, and um, took some pictures of the outside of this place. And I'm still playing with the editing. I almost posted one of the pictures yesterday, but now I'm looking at it and I don't like it. So I got to uh, start over, I guess. Um, but there was uh, the house was pretty cool looking. It had like all these cool, like, bushes that were like growing up in the front porch and um you know the paints peeling off and everything and then there was this um in the backyard there was a boat and i don't know a lot about boats to know what kind of boat it is but it's like um i don't know probably like a 20 some foot speed like a speed boat of some sort but it had like a cabin you could go like down inside of it and it's just sitting there in the yard and it's all like just covered in dirt and just grungy looking and busted glass on it and stuff and so i grabbed some shots of that too and they look kind of neat so try to get some of these edited up here real soon and get those posted on instagram and I suppose by default, Facebook. Well, I mean, yeah, and I think this is something we talked about a little bit about Facebook, and everyone has this love-hate relationship with it. But it's same thing with Instagram; you kind of have to go where the people are if you want to share what you're doing. Oh yeah, I, <coughs> I'm just one of them people that um, I don't like to spend like a ton of time like individually posting everywhere. But I'm also like aware that, um, you know, a lot of the same people that see a picture on Instagram, um, or let's just say Facebook rather, will probably see it on Instagram and they're going to see the, the same text, right? Cause I, I just do the cross post thing. I, uh, I go on Instagram, type my text, and I already have a uh, something set up where through um oh gosh it's like a shortcut but what was that app that everybody used for doing shortcut things can't think of it at the moment uh, workflow f f i t yes if this then yeah. that yeah yeah I have a thing set up through that where it posts to Twitter um but it will actually show the picture like in the Twitter post uh, that's nice. Um, yeah, and then I just click on the little Facebook toggle and have it post to Facebook. So there we go. Boom. Three social media platforms all at once. Bing, bang, done. And uh, now that I'm kind of exploring Flickr again, that's going to be you know a separate thing if I'm going to post there. Um, but I'll be honest, Flickr, I don't know if I'm going to do a whole lot of iPhone pictures on Flickr. I think that's going to be more for my my other cameras. Don't ask me why. Just because. I think it might be because of Instagram is more of a mobile platform because you can only post through your mobile device whereas with Flickr it's better on the desktop so you're more inclined to put your you know big camera pictures on there because they're already on your desktop. All right. You've got me all figured out. Yes. So, um, (laughs) yeah. Also also Flickr stinks when it comes to mobile. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, the app for mobile leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, it's great for browsing pictures, but obviously, it's not that great for really doing much of anything else with it. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm actually probably going to go through my Flickr stream and and do this giant purge, um, even though. Um, I paid for the pro subscription or whatever they call it. So um, I don't, I'm not limited to the whatever thousand pictures or whatever. Um, But when I look at like a lot of the iPhone pictures that I kind of dumped into Flickr, um, it just doesn't fit. Like it looks, they look weird. Like, especially if they're on the same like page as like some of the photos from like my my Sony camera or my old uh, Nikon D80 or whatever, they just, they don't fit in there with everything else. So I'm thinking about deleting a lot of them and just kind of having um, the other cameras be on Flickr. And, um, you know, my Instagram is mostly mobile, although every now and then a, a photo from either my Nikon point and shoot or, my Sony NEX7 does sneak into Instagram, um, but it's still mostly dominated by my iPhone photography. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's me in a nutshell. That's my life story right there. <laughs> well, I think that's one thing, like, when Flickr, when, when it was back on Yahoo!, um, and they tried to start pushing it again. I was trying to use it as a, as a third backup when they gave you know the unlimited limited or so basically unlimited space, and it just never worked. You know, as trying to keep that and Google Photos and iCloud as like a triple backup just in case anything happened, and then it just never worked well and it never sunk well. So that's kind of understandable why it's like. I can understand if you're using it from a desktop and uploading that way, but uploading from the phone just doesn't work, at least in my mind, like it should have. Yeah. Yep, I agree with you 100%. All right, well, let's let's move on. Um, I I don't know what to call this, our focus point, or I'm not sure. It's not really news, but Greg... um, you have a couple things you want to talk about. Let's start with uh, something that arrived in the mail for you today. Yeah. Um, I finally got my shutter case, which is awesome. a um, it's a phone case that with it, it has a um, uh, battery, an external battery pack that you could put on it. And with that installed, you have like a, a a grip that is just kind of like a camera and i was really i was really against this type of thing a few years ago but maybe it's cuz i'm getting older i don't know but i'm really finding this to be really cool um it also has a mechanical shutter button which is right uh okay so you've got your your lock button on the side of your iphone um, most of them nowadays, anyway. The, only the smaller ones, like the SE, and that have have it still on the top. But uh, most iPhones have it on the side, on the right side. So down near the bottom, 
there's a, a mechanical button for the shutter, and it actually uh, somehow connects through the case over to the volume down button. Because if you press that, you can see the volume down button go in and out too. So, <clears throat> so that's pretty cool. And it it comes with a little um, like a little rubber uh, kind of a button type of thing that you slide into position where you, where you can actually just put your thumb on it. So it gives a real um, ergonomically nice uh, way to hold it, like a camera. You could hold it with one hand and you can just snap away. And um, it even has a like a little um, uh, lanyard that you can put around your wrist, so that you know you don't have to worry about dropping it. But it's it's a good sturdy case. It's uh, it's it's very well built, and it comes with a um, a slide-in adapter that goes over the camera array, and it can actually fit moment lenses. Um, I believe they are going to be working on other kinds of lens mounts, but I don't know just what kind yet, if any. But they currently they have it made for moment, and my only um, my only uh, con out of all this thing, like the pros and cons, my only con is that in the construction of the area of the case where the lens mount to it. It's not as thick as the moment case is right around the, the lens openings. So what that's doing is when you put a lens on, it tends to be just a little crooked. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to these people about that to see if they can't, you know, maybe rectify that in, a, in a, um, another, another version of this adapter. Because the rest of the case itself is really cool. I really like it. Uh, when you don't have the battery on, there's a like a excuse me a little cover that slips in over the the grooves you know it hides the grooves the mounting grooves for the battery and makes it look uh, you know aesthetically pleasing and um, you know when you got the battery on there you can actually just stand it up and it, it just stands the phone up on your on your desk or table you know it's uh, it acts like a stand itself so that's kind of cool but um, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's I, I like it. I can't wait to to start using it. So I I uh, I agree with everything that you said about this case. So um, if people don't know, I have a shutter case also for my iPhone 10, um, and I've had it for oh geez at least a two or three months now, and um, you know every everything that Greg said about it is accurate, and I would say the exact same things about it. Um, I know with mine, um, I don't have any kind of like slide in adapter or anything like the, uh, the mounting mechanisms just built right in for the moment lenses. Um, and it's, but it's really weird. The, the fit is not really that great. So if you were going to mount a moment lens over the, the wide lens, on the phone it's really a loose fit and the the lens can wiggle and if you're really not careful it could just kind of turn right out of the mount and fall off um so that's concerning but then on the on the mount over the telephoto lens it's really really tight like 
so tight that I'm afraid if I twist, you know, the moment lens in there that I'm going to somehow damage the lens on the iPhone. Um, so I reached out to the, uh, to shut the folks at shutter case and, I wasn't the first person to bring this issue up to them and they actually are working on a, uh, a fix for this that um, I know some people have already received and I'm hoping that I will receive mine. Uh, it's going to be some sort of may, maybe the slide. I don't know. Some, somehow they, they came up with a fix for it. I don't know what the fix is, but um, they emailed me about a month ago and told me it was going to be a month until they had this ready to ship. So uh, hopefully sometime soon I'll be hearing from them and whatever the fix is will be on its way. Yeah. They, when I was, uh, okay, I had originally ordered, like I, I backed their campaign on, I believe it was Indiegogo. And um, I, at that time I had the eight plus, so I had ordered an eight plus case and then when uh, when I got the 10s Max and sold my 8 Plus, I I emailed them and I said, "Oh, okay, Donald, I I just ordered or I I ordered the 8 Plus. Can I change that order to the 10s Max?" And they said yes, but they're um, they had they were aware of the issues that you spoke of, Matt, and they were going to um, refine their design. For the 10s max case and the 10s i guess too um well no the 10s would be the same as the uh, 10 um but for the max they were gonna you know put those improvements in place and i i think they they did a really good job of it when i mount a lens in either of the um over either either of the cameras on the phone they're both not as snug as the moment case but again, that's probably because the thickness around the hole is thinner than, like the thickness of the case or whatever, is thinner on the shutter case than it is in the moment. The moment has a little more durability and stability there. But they're not really loose. They're not super tight, but they're both the same. You know, it's it's almost the same uh, fit on over both of the cameras. So they've done their homework there and... Uh, I'm I'm gonna get a hold of them and and talk to them about maybe you know stiffening up this um, this opening where the lenses mount just to see if that doesn't help the the lenses to stay on straight because if you put a lens on this and look at it from the side the lens actually almost looks a little crooked and when I took a couple of quick test shots today I could see that there's a little bit of um, uh, you know, I guess lens aberration, I'll call it a little, a little bit of fuzziness, you know, you, you can see yeah. just on the sides, like on the, on the corners or whatever. And so, I mean, if the, if the lenses were on there perfectly straight, it would be just top shelf. So, it, and they're a small company, you know, they're not, they're, there's only a few of them there and, and they're, they're doing everything they can. They, they didn't get fully funded in their campaign, but they went ahead and put these things out anyway. So I, I really give them props for that. And, um, but I'm going to play around with this thing for a few days and, and do up a review and I'll put it on my blog and, and get a hold of them and tell them, you know, my thoughts and everything else. And, and, uh, I, I think there's a lot of promise. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is so awesome about this is the fact that their yeah, their campaign didn't even really get funded 
and and they're they're still putting this stuff out anyway and it, and it really is awesome i mean it, the the issues that we're talking about here with the the lens mount it's actually it's pretty minor it really is i mean it's everything still works and the overall design of this case is really just phenomenal it's it's pretty awesome yeah, yeah. You know, it, I, I mean, I, yeah. I was excited to get it, and I was so jealous when I heard you had yours so early. Uh, and, 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 you know, I was tracking mine with a tracking number, and it said this morning when I got up, I checked it, and it said it was still in the United States, in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden my wife goes and gets the mail and says, oh, what's this? Oh, my shutter case. Yeah, so I was pretty excited to get it. Nice. So um, I just want to reiterate like one thing about it real quick here so um you know it greg when you started talking about it and you mentioned you know that it's got the mechanical shutter button so um if anyone doesn't really know like why we're kind of raving about this case and you know if you're looking online at you know cases that kind of help make your phone like a little bit more like a camera there it's been done uh, you know, plenty of times, but the issue with a lot of the cases out there is that they require a Bluetooth connection to the case. And then a lot of them have like a proprietary app that you need to use, uh, to shoot with. And this, this case does not limit you in that way. Since the, the shutter button is mechanical, there's no Bluetooth connection and you can use, you know, any camera app on your phone that that you want to. Um, there's as there's long no as it need. has that capability to use the, the volume switch. Correct. Yeah. Which, as long which as which incidentally, Halide does not. Oh, I never. I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I went looking in the Halide app, and I, I tried to take a picture with with uh, with Halide opened up. And I'm just gonna try it again. Maybe I just didn't do it right. Yeah, I thought that was oh, one of those. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat they... I'm gonna eat Uh-oh. my words because it just you worked. Because <laughs> I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Joe, edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you should highlight it and put it at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, idea. I know. Yeah, Greg eats his <clears throat> words. <clears throat> um, anyway. Yeah, I remember yeah, in so, the very beginning that was a. Like a, a kludgy workaround, and Apple said, "Oh, we should include that as a base feature for all the camera apps." Yeah, so I guess they put it right in the API. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it is nice. Um, I tell you though, I got like way too used to just touching a button on the screen, so half the time I forget to even you know push the shutter the uh, volume button. You know, I was I was never a proponent of using the volume switch, but the one that's built into the phone, um, like if you use the phone's volume buttons, I find the stiffness of those buttons tends to give you a bit of camera shake. But with, with this setup, with shutter case, it actually buffers it. It's almost like, like because it has to go across the phone and, you know, Almost like uh, almost up as far as it is across, whatever. However, that's built and designed in inside. It almost acts like a buffer, so you don't get that camera shake that I would normally get 
when I use the the volume button by itself. So and you know and there's some spring in the um, in the in the the shutter button on the side of the shutter case. So it actually you know it it, it you, you just don't get that shake. So I I think I'm going to probably use that a lot more than tapping the screen. Yeah. So th- one of the things too that I like about and part of this is because of the way the iPhone, the these newer iPhones are designed. If you're, let's say you're holding it, you're, the phone in a horizontal position, like landscape, um, so that the lenses um, are basically top left, right, or it, it, it's top right if you're looking at the back of the phone. But when you're holding it. Um, and looking at the screen, your thumb on your left hand kind of rests right on those volume buttons, right? Um, so if you have the shutter case on, you kind of have two options for tripping the shutter because your thumb is resting right where that volume uh, button is. So you could push there to trip the shutter, um, or you could use you know your index finger um, on your right hand. You know, like you're, mm-hmm. like you're uh, shooting with a point and shoot. So you kind of got two options yeah. there, and it's really pretty cool. Yeah. So now the only thing that we left unsaid so far is the battery, the the, the little battery pack that goes on. Um, it could charge your it could charge your phone in about two hours. It'll give you, I think it said like a seventy percent charge. So I don't know. Mine's fully charged, and I there's a little. There's a little um, wire, I guess, for the lack of better words, where, where, where when you put the when you slide the battery on, you pull this wire up out of the way, and then you slide the battery on, click it into place, and then this wire goes down and plugs into the lightning port on the phone, and then that's how you charge it. And um, it, it's I think it said in the in the documentation that came with it that it takes about two hours to give you about a seventy percent charge. So when you're out shooting. That is fantastic because I know myself. There's been times when I go out and if I'm, you know, really going crazy shooting, sometimes my battery will just run down and okay, I'm done. But with this, it's going to give me probably an extra, well, 70% battery on my phone will probably give me another four hour shooting. So that, yeah. that was a really, a really good addition to the, to the case. You know, make it make it um, you know make the purpose of that handle twofold: one, to hold on to it, and two, to to charge your phone when you need it. Yeah, so far I've only used it for holding on. I haven't actually uh, used needed it to charge my phone. I mean, I, I've tried it out, like just kind of played with it and made sure it worked and that kind of thing. But I haven't actually like been in a situation where I'm like, oh, geez, I really need some juice for my phone. I better plug the battery pack in but um who's to say that i won't ever be in that situation that but uh it does add some nice ergonomics for sure to the to the case yeah all right well i think we covered that pretty well um i think they owe us some money now (laughs) (laughs) so uh this has turned into the Greg show. Uh, Greg, you're a big proponent of the app Luma B. 
mm-hmm. and you're in pretty tight with them. So uh, I know you got something going on with them. Why don't you share that with us? Okay. Um, yeah, Thomas and Million. The these guys are in the Czech Republic, and just a little quick little backstory as to how I got in tight with these guys is um, when their app first came out. I honestly don't remember how I heard about it or or anything, but once I started using it, it just fit my editing style so well because what it's built to do is it's it is made to get you through your editing process very, very quickly to get your final image and then bang, you're done. And just the way the app is designed and, and, and laid out, it, it it does that. You can go through all the steps um, really quickly. And I like the way the, the finished product looks for me anyway. Um, with, like I say, with my style, my style basically consists of some very subtle changes to, you know, lighting, uh, color, contrast, things like that. And then I even like to add a little vignetting to some some of my photos. And I really love the way their vignette algor- algorithm works. Um, Matt and I were texting earlier today and we were talking a little bit about Darkroom. And this isn't to put a damper on Darkroom, but I'm just not fussy on the way their vignetting works. But with Lightroom, or Lightroom, with Lumabe, I really love the way it works. So when I got using the app, I got, you know, somehow I got talking to these guys. And I helped them with the English of their uh, app store description and and with their website and some things on their website and stuff like that. So with because I helped them like that and because I love their app so much, they actually put it put me on their credit page in the app. So when you go to the app and you hit the little I up in the corner, it shows you the credits and, you know, the developers, people who help them, whatever. And, you know, I'm on the list. So, you know, that that's really cool. It, it's I'm kind of uh kind of proud of that. But um so what they've done now is now, when I first got Lumaby, I had to buy it, and I forget what I paid for it, but I didn't. It doesn't matter. It's like a cup of coffee. Um, so then, in September of 2017, they decided to just let it go for free, and they're you know they they had some pretty good sales, I guess, and so then they were just thinking, I guess, well, what are we going to do with this now? Like, um, they decided to monetize it a little bit by adding 15 new filters to the filters section. And what they've done is they've worked with a photographer over in the Czech Republic, and um, I will see if I can get his name, because he deserves a bit of credit here. Yes, it is Radek Kudlasik. That's the best I could do. Um, but anyway, he's a professional photographer over there, and he worked with these guys, and they've created these 15 filters. So they've they've released an update to the app, and um, and I think it came out a couple of days ago or so. And they gave me a heads up that it was coming out, and they also said that they were going to give me um, a promo code for the for the uh, filters, so I wouldn't have to to, to buy them. But they've also given me a whole whack of them to give away. So nice. I put a post on I put a post on the Facebook group. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share the love with this. Um, sometimes I just do it on the Facebook group for Tiny Shutter, but I've decided I'm going to go with uh, 
the Facebook group, which I've put a post on tonight, and I'm getting quite a few people responding to the post now. And I've also put it on the Artful Eye Photography community, and uh, I wanted to you know, give them some of the love, too. And I also am going to put a post on Instagram where when you see the post on my feed on Instagram, just comment on it, and, and you'll be in the running for uh, one of these codes. I've got 18, so I'm going to go six on each of those three places. And uh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really kind. Uh, it was very kind of them to to do that. Um, I honestly didn't realize I was going to get that many, but that's that's fantastic. Uh, like th- these are just guys that just just love uh, you know doing what they do with it, and um, you know it's not. I don't think it's their um, main cor- source of income, but it, it's a labor of love for them, and and uh, I think they deserve some support. So. Uh, I would have gladly paid for the um, for the codes, but they give me this code, and I thought, okay, I'll use that. And but I did buy the app before it went free, so they got some of my Canadian bucks. There you <laughs> go. So I I don't use LumaBee very much. No offense, LumaBee, um, but I did just buy the filters because I know they're good guys, and it is a good app. So. In order to show my support, I just purchased the new filters. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a good – LumaBee is a good app for sure. Um, I just know for my workflow, the the uh, the different, like, sections or whatever, like the filters mm-hmm. and the basic adjustments, colors, tone. Sorry about my cat. Um, <laughs> all that stuff's out of order for me, like the way that I oh, edit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I should try it in their order. And well, I'll you know, I don't. New. I don't think. I don't think you have to stick to the order because uh, you know what? I bounce back. No, and forth I, sometimes I, too. No, I, I know you can jump around. But yeah. I think the idea was to just kind of, you know, kind of blaze through it or whatever. Yeah, and. You know, it it's not going it's not going to be for everyone. Everyone has their favorite app, um, but it's uh, you know, I think it's definitely it, I think it should be on the list of uh, you know apps to look at when you get a new iPhone and for the first time. Or uh, they were featured on the App Store one time, and, and their um, their monthly users shot way up, and and actually it it stayed there. Uh, so being featured on the App Store really helped them out, and um, uh, you know I was kind of glad to see that. So, but it, it's it's like I say, it really it it fits my style so well that I just can't get away from it. I you know I try other apps the odd time, but I always go back to LumaBee for probably ninety percent of my editing, if not more. Wow. That's cool. I I know for for me right now that app is Polar, and yeah. you know I, I think I've d- discussed this before, but the the big uh, part of it for me is um, just the fact that the it's available as an extension in the Photos app, and I just really like that. 
Mm-hmm. I just like ha- having that ease of, you know, I'm I'm already in the Photos app, kind of looking at the, you know, my pictures. Which one do I want to edit? Um, and now all I need to do is click edit in the top right and click the three little buttons down at the bottom, and you know, select my app, which in this case would be Polar. Although I have a a bunch of apps down there in the extensions. Um, and that, that like has heavily influenced my decision to use polar. I mean, I used to use Enlight a lot and I still do use Enlight, um, for, for certain things. Um, and I have other apps that I, that I like to use for like editing raw and stuff like raw power is a great app. Um, but mm-hmm. man, for me, polar is just killer. <laughs> I know yeah, we're talking yeah. about Luma B. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a tangent here. No, that's all right. Yeah. And honestly, I think okay. that's one of the strengths of the iPhone slash iPad iOS um, ecosystem is that you, you literally could go to five photographers or five, you know, anyone who uses a particular thing, you can have five different apps. And it, like you said, it's a matter oh, yeah. of what personal preference, what you're used to and what you personally like, how it turns out. And yeah, I think yeah, that's, that that's something that, you know, and there are, and I know apps are trying to go as cross platform as possible, but that is one of the strengths that, you know, like Greg, you use like Luma B and honestly, I don't use really I've tried Luma B. I tried Polar, and I and I'm more an event light person, and uh, Snapseed, depending on what yeah. I want to do and what how I want it to turn out. So, but again, that's again that's a strength of the platform. It's like you don't have to say, well, this is obviously head and shoulders above everything else, or you know, like what Samsung tends to do when they put their own apps on everything and make it a little bit tighter. You know, Apple's luckily have left a lot of it open and you have your choice of different apps in terms of camera you want to shoot with and editing software. And the nice thing is that it sounds weird to say, oh, that's a very expensive, you know, when, when, let's say when, um, Luma B costs money, let's say it was $2.99 or even $4.99 to think, oh, that's a lot of money for an app. And you're like, well... It's a lot of money compared to all the free stuff out there, but given the quality and the work you can tell these guys put through it, again, given what, you know, and I hate to sound like an old timer, but back back in the day when you wanted to get a, you know, something this powerful on the desktop, you were talking hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah. And your, yeah, your options were not, were not this, were not this broad either. So, yeah. Like I said, definitely. And you know, the, with this being free, give it definitely. Even if you, you know, give it give it a try before you want before you go through the purchasing, to make sure it's something yeah, you like. But because there's there's a bunch of filters pre-installed in the app that you know you know it's these ones that that were helped that you know were helped, developed with the help of this photographer that that um, are the in-app purchase, um, and you know I tried some of them and I kind of liked them. I, I'm I'm not a big filter guy, but the odd time I will use a filter in Luma B, and my latest Instagram post tonight, 
uh, I used one of them on it, and I really liked the look that it gave the image. It was really cool. You can see that at Macmillan Photo on Instagram. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's different kinds of editing tools for different kinds of artists. You know, uh, Nikki Fitzgerald uh, over in England, she's, um, you know, she's pretty popular on on uh, YouTube. She has a bunch of tutorials on there. And she's working closely with Joanne Carter, uh, the app whisperer, and there are a lot of uh, the um, tutorials that she's done with iColorama have been featured on the app whisper, uh, the app whisperer.com. So, and, and that's more like creating works of art as opposed to so much as, you know, doing photo editing. Um, and so, I mean, there's so many different kinds of artists using this platform. And like you say, Dave, Apple's done a great job at allowing the developers to do all all these different apps and and now for photographers with the inclusion of raw shooting that just opens it up even more that's a segue matt <laughs> my uh my cat is um very interested in what's going on here so i'm sorry i'm massively distracted at the moment <laughs> She's just sniffing the microphone, so I'm just wondering how much she's going to show up in the. And now she's actively licking a a beer can. So, yeah, um, yeah, I I apologize, Greg. I I, I know you set me up for something, but honestly, I don't know what. <laughs> well, that's okay. It was just a segue to our next story. We have another story. Because I, I had said uh, with the inclusion of RAW in, in iPhone photography, it opens it up even further as far as what we can do with it. And then we were oh. going to talk about that oh, other story. Allied. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not in the notes, so I, um, I forgot. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. to put it in the notes. Okay, my <laughs> bad. That's okay. <laughs> That's on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'll get over it. So, um, yeah, real quick, we should mention that, um, you know, probably our favorite, our favorite camera app, Halide, um, had an, an update and, uh, kind of what, what they, the main feature that they introduced is, um, an RGB histogram. Uh, so, I'm hoping that most people know are familiar with a histogram. It's basically a um, kind of like a little graph that's a representation of the the tones in your image. Um, and halide. Well, let me just go back real quick. So basically, the left side of the image is going to be your your dark tones, your blacks, your you know darker tones. And as it moves across to the right. Um, you're getting your lighter tones on on the right side, you know, up to your your whites. And it, the histogram is good because it kind of shows you, um, in a way, like how your photo is exposed. So um, if you see basically a ramp going from left to right, like downhill, that means you got like a ton of dark tones 
in your picture and maybe they're you know maybe your photo is too dark or maybe it's just a, a photo that has lots of dark tones and that's a proper exposure um so it just kind of gives you um a real quick visual of the representation of tones that you can make a better decision on like how you want that picture to be exposed um just depending on the scene or your vision or whatever um in halide it would show this uh um i know on on the the iPhone uh, 10 and, and probably the newer iPhones with the notch, it would kind of show you this little histogram up in the upper left, uh, just to the left of the notch. It was really a kind of a clever use of that space. And it would kind of just give you a, um, uh, I don't know what they would call that. Just like a grayscale, um, Histogram, so it, it would you know basically just it be, would just be the the brightness levels. Yeah, exactly. So um, while useful, um, it it's not going to tell you anything about the colors in your picture. So what Halide introduced is basically an RGB uh, histogram, which you'll see in a lot of your other like desktop editors, you know, your um, Lightrooms and Photoshop and that sort of thing. And basically that's going to be the same deal representation of tones, but you know, with the red, green, and blue uh, channels being represented and um, how I'd had a little uh, blog post and they kind of did a really good job in my opinion of showing like how that information can be utilized and, and why it's important. They used an example of a photo of roses. And in that example, they kind of showed how, um, you know, if you just take a, a, a picture of it and you're not really paying attention and, you know, maybe you add a little bit of saturation to it, um, when you really get down into it, a lot of times that that red channel it's it's going to clip basically is what they call it and you're going to lose uh detail in, in that color and um if you're if you're paying attention to it you can basically expose the uh photo a little differently so in in this case i believe it'd be a little bit darker and then you could when you're editing the photo, you could bring back, uh, you could lighten that color and the details in the color are going to be, uh, preserved. So it just doesn't look like flat red. It's still got the texture and the petals and everything like that. Um, not sure if I'm explaining this well, Greg, what do you have to say about this? Okay, yeah. So in my experience of taking pictures of flowers, which I like to do, especially when it comes to macro, um, red flowers are always the hardest ones to get the best detail out of. And what this histogram, what this new histogram does is because it it shows you the three um, the three channels of color that that these digital sensors can capture. Um, it, okay, so in in their example for with their rose, 
or the roses, the the camera may by default select a an exposure where the some of the red, the, especially the brighter parts of the red in the flower, will be clipped, like Matt said. And what what happens there is you lose detail in that. So by underexposing intentionally. Uh, and until you see that clipping come down uh, to where it's you know it's not nearly as high or it even disappears, um, you can then edit that image, you know, brighten up or whatever. But you'll still have the detail in that part of the image. And the same goes for for the the darker areas too. If you have an image where, um, say, the green is clipped at the bottom or at the left-hand side, then it's going to be just black and you won't be able to get that information back. But if you slide your exposure up a little bit, if you can afford to do that with the highlight side um, to get the, the the detail back in the shadow areas, then you, you're going to get, you know, with your editing and whatever you can get, you can retain that detail in the darker areas as well. And it, it really does make a big difference. Yeah, definitely. I know, uh, you know, I I use the histogram quite a bit to, you know, get an idea of what's going on with my pictures and see if I need to, um, you know, either expose differently when I'm taking the shot. And then I also, you know, kind of look at it when I'm editing as well to see if there's something I need to do uh, when I'm editing with the highlights or the shadows um, cause a, l- a lot of times in my pictures, I, I don't want highlights to be pure white and I don't want shadows to be pure black for the most part. So, um, yeah. you know, that's important for me to be able to see that information and, you know, it's, um, it actually took me a while to kind of get into the swing of things with the RGB histogram and realize that just because, your highlights and your shadows aren't clipped. That doesn't mean that a color channel is not clipped and you're losing, you know, detail there. So, um, Mm -hmm. definitely good information and it really does help improve the quality of your photos. Um, so it's definitely a a cool little update. And if you have halide, all you do to access that is, um, if you have the, the histogram up and it's just showing the, the, brightness histogram just tap on it and it'll switch to the rgb um and it looks cool too (laughs) yeah it does so um just real quick another thing that's got us excited with halide is um um in their blog post they kind of talk about their uh smart raw format and um they talk about how they're using uh, machine learning and, and computational photography to um, help Halide make more intelligent decisions around exposure uh, to kind of help get the the most and the, the best dynamic range out of these um, smart raw uh, iPhone raw pictures. And they mentioned... Um, that they'll have more information to share about this and the technology behind it later this month when they release their second app. 
Yes. And, you know, that definitely uh, got us all excited because, um, you know, I, I I believe, Greg, you're like me. We, we're hoping that it's an editing app. Yeah, yeah. That's I can't help but think that that's what it is. Um, you know, just to, to quote what they said, they said, you know, after talking about Smart Raw and, you, you know, getting the dynamic range and things like that, their their final two sentences in their blog post are as follows. This is a big deal. We'll have more to share about this and this technology later this month when we release our second app. So when they're talking about Smart Raw, you know, the technology behind their Smart Raw, I can't help but think that they're putting together some kind of an editing app. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you um, for a couple reasons. So a lot of times, I well, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but all right, think about like all the different camera brands, right? They all they all uh, shoot raw, like you know in the higher end cameras, your Sony's, Nikon's, Canons, whatever, Olympus, mm-hmm. Fuji, right? They all they all shoot raw, but technically each one of those cameras they have kind of their own proprietary way that they do that and technically to get the the most information out of those raw files when you're editing you would want to use that camera manufacturer's software now nobody does that because for the most part um, anything that you're getting from Canon or Nikon is just um, a, a user interface nightmare and just kind of a pile of garbage. Um, but most people that are really familiar with editing, um, like you know, just professionals that that really know their stuff, they will tell you that to get the most out of any camera manufacturer's raw file, the best way to do that is to use the camera manufacturer's software that comes with, with the camera, you know, on your desktop computer. So I have to think that with Halide, with having this smart raw and, and whatever that entails, if they're able to make their own editing app that makes the most use out of this format, um, hopefully that's just going to, you know, be heads and tails above whatever we're doing with, you know, Darkroom or Polar or Enlight or whatever other apps we're using to to edit. So I, I know that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see what they they come up with. Um, now, having said how excited we are about this, I'm not abandoning Lumabee. Don't get me wrong. Lumabee does raw editing as well, um, but if if I could use the two apps in my workflow, then then I will. Um, you know, whatever Halide comes out with for a raw editor uh, to do the initial raw developing, and then Lumabee for the rest of it. I mean, that would that would be you know the uh, the icing on the cake for me. But you know, Halide I. They just they just seem to be taking a very photographic approach to their uh, to their product. Um, you know, Sebastian Dewitt, who 
uh, was be kind of behind the design of the app itself, uh, whereas um, Ben Sandowski writes the code. Um, you know, Sebastian had said in an interview somewhere that he used, um, you know, he kind of took from, if you look at an old manual lens from, say, a Canon or somebody, uh, you know, the font that you see around the, the end of the lens that tells you the f-stop and all that stuff, he he incorporated that kind of a design in the font in the app itself. You know, it's just one of those little things. Uh, I think he was on a design team at Apple, so, I mean, it just must come natural to him. And, uh, you know, th- that aesthetic in, in Halide is just so appealing. And, you know, it, like it's just the little things, the little things that make a big difference. So they, I think they take such a photographic approach to things, even in, in the mobile space that's iPhone photography. Um, you know, if you, if you really stop and think about Halide and what it, what it does, think about what it can't do. It can't do things that are, you know, found in slow shutter or, you know, things like that. Um, uh, you know, it, it's just not one of those, you know, uh, all-in-one apps where you could do everything from start to finish. Halide is an app for taking photographs, and that's what it does best. So this this uh, second app that they're going to bring out, because of their photographic approach to mobile photography, I can't help but think that it's got to be an editor, especially when they say the you know, they'll have more to share about this technology. So, yeah. And, and if, if you guys haven't checked out their blog, um, we, we, I think we'll put a link to it in our show notes. I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic blog. Um, they share information really about uh, like all kinds of stuff. Um, like if you're still nervous about raw, not really sure, like what, you know, what that format's all about or how it would, could benefit your shooting. Um, you know, they have some posts about um, shooting raw and editing raw, and they're all like really plain English. And they they have you know uh, example photos that kind of show uh, really well like what you know raw can do for you in different shooting situations, which is cool. Um, you know, they talk about. Uh, depth mode and all that kind of fun stuff and just a lot of really interesting stuff and like greg said it's really photo centric so it's it's really educational it's really interesting um and i think that's a big part of the reason why greg and i are such big fans of of halide yeah i I would agree with that dave you're not a fan you're not part of the cool club Uh, no i'm that is true i'm not part of the cool club that is true um, it, it's like I said, just a matter of, um, it seems like half the, most of the time when I'm going for a photo, it's going for something that catches my eye kind of off the, um, off the cuff where honestly, even though I do have like, uh, like I said, I have camera, pl- uh, camera, pl- uh, camera plus two, um, I'm going with the default app. Just because it's like I see something I'm like, oh, that's neat looking. I'm going to try to capture that in the moment type instead of taking the preparation yeah. and set up and no, know, I get it. All I'm the just money. messing with you. Dude, oh, no. I <laughs> I shoot with the native app like all the time. 
you know, so I mean, I, I obviously I shoot with halide a lot, but I, you know, it depends on the situation, and I'm just messing with you because oh, uh, it's the beauty of the iPhone, man. There's so many different apps mm-hmm. and whatever floats your boat, man. Exactly, exactly. And I, like I said, that is something because, like I said, it, it's. I think Apple, if they really wanted to, could put a boatload of money and resources into building up the camera app, building up the editing app, and just completely blow everyone out the window. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm kind of uh, what Google does with their, I, I think with their, like the uh, Pixel uh, camera, where it's kind of blows everyone out the water for Android. So it's like, okay, um, yeah, we're not going to, even though supposedly Android, you know, being more open and everything else. Now, I'm not overly familiar with Android, so maybe I don't know this, but it doesn't seem to have the large amount of third-party photo and editing apps that iPhone does. Now, you know, someone could come back and say, oh, by the way, I'm an Android user and we have all these apps out here that maybe I'm just not familiar with, but like I said, I... It, how I, it's getting me curious uh, about trying it. It's just t- making that plunge. Sure. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with that, man. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, um, I think now it is time for us to move into our favorite segment, Post Pick of the Week. All right, so um, this week we are picking a photo from our current challenge, which is panoramic. And, um, you know, if I was smart, I'd have it up in front of me. I think we had like around 50 entries, uh, which is pretty good. That's a a lot of panoramas, Mm -hmm. so that's pretty sweet. Um, I, I... I feel like I never get to pick the winner, like, ever. So I took it upon <laughs> myself. Since since I'm uh, hosting this show this week, I made the executive decision that I'm picking the winner. And uh, I picked a photo from Jason Burroughs. Um, he had a couple cool ones in there, but I, uh, I really gravitated towards his uh, photo from Lake overholzer in oklahoma city um that he took with a iphone 10r and edited with photoshop express and um this photo just it i mean it just catches your eye for really one reason and that is complementary colors so it's a sunset picture and you know the the sun looks like it's probably already below the horizon the the sky is just blazing orange and i mean i'm sure he boosted some saturation there or something but holy smokes it is like crazy orange but then it's really just like this sliver though like on the on the horizon of orange and it's reflected in the lake a little bit and then above that, you just have these crazy blue clouds. I mean, they are just so blue and angry looking. And again, those colors are reflected in the in the uh, lake. 
and um, there's this cool like uh, I don't know what you call it, just like a looks like a path or a, some sort of strip of land that is um, like out in the lake, and it's stretching across the frame from one side to the other. And it's silhouetted, and it's got some trees poking out of it, and they kind of silhouette up into like the orange of the sunset. So it kind of, kind of breaks up that horizon line and adds a little bit of interest. And then you know, you, on the the very far uh, lower corners, you could see the, you know, the bank of the lake that he's standing on, and. Um, I don't know. It, just the colors are the main thing for me that really grab my interest. What do you think about it, Greg? Yeah, yeah, the colors are are really cool. Like there's just a nice strip of orange across the center um at the horizon where the sun is just um you know blazing through the the opening. Well, I mean it's, the sun's probably below the horizon line, but I mean it's it's uh just making it a really nice bright orange and then up in the sky, you got the blue, the you know that turns into a nice, just a really nice. Uh, I, I want to say a turquoise blue, but it's not really turquoise. It's just a really nice blue in the sky in the top right, and the symmetry is really cool too. Um, you know, with the trees and the and and the stuff along the horizon line, it's very symmetrical in nature as you go from one side to the other, and uh, uh, he's he's given it some kind of kind of like a soft focused look to it that really gives it a dreamy look and i really like that well yeah that's the the, one of the other things i was just going to mention about it too is that um for whatever reason like the you know the water and the clouds are soft but if you really look at those trees they look like they're really sharp you know the the trees and, and the and that strip of land that like has a nice um, like sharp edge to it. Um, and that to me, that's like how a photo like this should be. Like if you're, you know, applying sharpening and actually this, this applies to really like any photo, um, just the things that need to be sharp should be sharpened. So, you know, a lot of times it's, it's prudent to add sharpening with a brush if you can. Um, it's, I guess one of the reasons I edit in, with polar a lot is that um they have really good uh brushes and stuff and you can brush just about anything in uh you know saturation contrast and all that jazz but um you know in this case the the water doesn't need to be sharpened and, and the clouds don't really need to be sharpened but those trees you know they, they look really sharp and that that mm-hmm. really looks cool it kind of makes them stand out a little bit yeah. What do you think about this, Dave? Yeah, total agreement. It's just kind of um I like the like I said the turquoise and the blue kind of working off each other just really works really well. And I think a lot of all three of us were just kind of going through and uh we all you know, we were all looking at of course tons of great photos, but this one I think caught all of our eye about, you know, just in terms of the the composition and the like I said the color the, just and like you said when you were it has that dreaminess with the crispness which is a nice balance too. 
Yeah. Yeah, this is a fantastic photo. Congratulations, uh, Jason. You are the post pick of the week winner this week. So um, we need to do a new a new uh, challenge. And if we were smart, we would have thought of this before before now. But we did. Well, we do have tiny little brains, you know. That's yep. true. That's true. Like tiny little shutters. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So we we were like sort of, kind of throwing some ideas in our little uh, chat window that we got going on in Skype here, and um, <laughs> I suggested outer space, which I'm kind of joking, but kind of not because it is doable. Um, like I, I know recently in our Facebook group, I saw some. Uh, pictures that that some some of our uh people in our group have taken at night where the you know the stars have shown up pretty good like orion and stuff like that seems to be a pretty popular constellation to shoot towards um i think even uh mark sadowski might have had a night shot or two recently um the moon is relatively easier to shoot and um I'm just making a case for my pick here. If we were to go with outer space, I'm not even saying that it has to be real. Um, there's plenty of uh, apps out there that have like little, uh, you know, space skies and, and whatnot that you could easily add to a photo. Um, I've done it numerous times, and and some of them look mildly convincing that they're real. Um, so, uh, that would definitely be something we've never done before <laughs> for a challenge. But, uh, what do you guys think? You guys got any ideas? Not all at once. So go ahead, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an idea, but I don't know how well it would work. And that idea is, um, to do a before and after. So you take a photo and then you do your edit and then you post both of them. But I, like I say, I don't know how it would work. But just to see, you know, what everybody's uh, uh, editing style is and, and, you know, how far they like to take things and how, you know, crazy or not crazy they want to get with their editing. Um, but again, it's... It's it's not very uh, like it could be easily posted on the Facebook group that way because you can post your say your edited image first and then as a comment do um, the original. But mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know. I don't know what the dynamics of that would be like. You so got anything, I, Dave? I like the idea, but I think we need, we need to discuss this like offline and refine that idea a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, my my initial idea was either it's going to kind of the opposite of panoramic and going with a square crop or using shapes in masking a photo. What does that mean exactly? Um, Think about making it so that it looks like your photos in a cutout of a, like, say, a heart shape. 
and maybe masking is not the right term. Um, I'm probably like framing. A, yeah, kind of framing, or, but or instead of just putting a, a mat square, on it. Yeah, mat. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was what I was looking for. Okay. So instead of just a like a square mat or an oval mat, putting a more unique shape to it, or multiple cutouts, let's say, where the photo would show through. But I'm. But yeah, you, you, I, I think we all three came up with ideas that, I mean, there definitely would be challenges, to, you know, to actually for for people to try. Okay, something just came to my mind. Letters of the alphabet. You know how you see, you know, when you look at something, you you almost see that 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 could be a letter of the alphabet, you know, like a D or an E or something like that. What about taking a photo of something? that is shaped like a letter of the alphabet in some way. Like, it could be pretty obscure, but, you know, you have to be able to kind of see it. Maybe even not at first, but eventually you'll see it. Like, I have a friend who um, who did the whole alphabet, and she does note cards, and she did the whole alphabet in these note cards. And some of these pictures, like, she's she got she has creativity just oozing out of her pores. Like, she's such a creative photographer, and um, when she did these these alphabet, these letters of the alphabet, I mean, they were so cool. Like, you know, like say um, part of a bike rack could be the letter P or something like this. Like, it's just things like that. And I, I thought, you know, that might be a good exercise on creativity. All right, everybody, go find an A-frame house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> um, just an idea. We could give that a go. That's yeah. fine. Because letters of the alphabet. Yeah. You have yeah. you have to explain it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I could think of something. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just it, what you said. Just now, except maybe a little tighter, and so it's not a, a big long chapter yeah. of an explanation on what the challenge is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is that what you want to do? Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's just, yeah. just not as let's say straightforward as letters on a sign, but things that just happen to make. Shapes of letters. Yeah. Yeah, like and an it, A-frame you know, house. It, yeah, exactly. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be... You don't have to do the whole alphabet or anything. I mean, just... Oh, if you see something that resembles a letter, then uh, go for it. Yeah. Or like, hey, that drawbridge looks like an H. Yeah. You're welcome, okay. everyone. <laughs> Solid ideas right there. <laughs> You know, before our, our all of our submissions will be A-frame houses and drawbridges. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine with that, actually. If they are, then you have to pick the post pick. <laughs> That's fine. I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. All right, very good. All right, so um, I know Joe always asks this. You guys have anything else you want to bring up? Say no. 
Just Say one no. last little thing. Just one last little thing. <laughs> just just getting back to the shutter case. Uh, I just want to um, compliment them on their packaging. It was very well packaged, and uh, you know the, the the lid fit nice and tight on the box, and um, you know. Go get one, folks, because it was just so cool to open up. And I, I was going to do an unbox. I had, you know, I had thought, when this thing comes, I'm going to do an unboxing video. And then when these things come to my door, I just rip into them too quick. And, oh, I was going to do that. And now I can't. So, no, I didn't do an unboxing video. But um, I will post pictures of the packaging and the shutter case and everything else um, when I do my review. And uh, you'll be able to see it. That way, and they've got a they've got an Instagram account, and uh, you, know, you can go to shuttercase.com to see all their stuff too. So, but I just wanted to give them a nice, uh, you know, give them props on their packaging. I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saved the packaging. Yeah, I always do with stuff like this. I got a closet full of Apple boxes. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I do not care if you have something you want to add or not. We have ourselves a show. So with that in mind, uh, why don't we uh, tell everybody where we can uh, be found when we're not here doing this fantastic podcast. Greg, let's start with you. Okay. On Instagram, McMillan Photo. On Twitter, McMillan underscore photo. And in the Artful Eye Photography community is me, my name, Greg McMillan. And, on, of course, on the Tiny Shutter Facebook page. Oh, fantastic. Hey, Dave, how about you? Yep. You can find me on Twitter as ProfPod and Instagram as ProfPod. And on the uh, Tiny Shutter Facebook group is Dave Podner. Excellent. All right, you guys could check me out on uh, Twitter. Uh, where else? Instagram, I am and the Artful iPhonography community at M. Hoffman Photo. Oh, and Flickr, too. Uh, so you can also find links to our show notes, our Facebook group, the YouTube channel, uh, which has um, got a couple new videos lately, and our Patreon, and any other stuff that we might have going on at tinyshutter.com. All right, everyone. That's it for this week. Um, I always forget to mention when Joe's not here that Joe's not here. So um, in case you guys – Yeah, Joe. I know, right? Huh? So yeah, in case by now, you know, over an hour into this, if you didn't realize it, Joe is not with us this week. I have no idea why I didn't ask him. He just said he couldn't make it. We all said okay. He's on assignment. On Sure. Yeah, he's on assignment. Yeah. He's um yeah, we sent him to uh South Georgia Island. He's photographing penguins, I think. <clears throat> and he'll tell us <laughs> all about it next week in really vivid detail, I'm sure, cuz that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. We'll catch you next week, okay? Bye-bye. Oh, good night, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave us a review and a five-star rating. See you next week.
perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Kowalski, what's our trajectory? 95% certain this will end in massive, flaming disaster. And the other 5%, irrelevant, sir. Kowalski, what's our trajectory? <laughs> I was just going to go, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. 95% sure this is going to end in massive, flaming disaster. And the other 5%, irrelevant, sir.